0: When people talk about Hanford during World War II, they often mention that there were 50,000 workers, but that was at peak employment. The number doesn't include all the people that came and went. There were another 100,000 workers that didn't stay long, mostly due to the dust storms and climate of the area. One of the first to arrive was Robley L. Johnson. He wasn't a chemist a construction worker, or a cook. He was a photographer. Robley was the chief photographer for the DuPont Corporation. DuPont had been brought in to manage operations at Hanford, a duty the corporation had to be convinced to accept. DuPont provided the military with munitions during World War One. This netted them a large profit and earned them the nickname Merchants of Death. They reluctantly accepted the project with the terms, they would only be paid for the cost of the project plus one dollar. Work at Hanford was top secret and security was tight. Every worker was issued a security badge with their picture on it. A picture Robley L. Johnson took. He eventually took 145,000 photos for ID badges. But that wasn't all he did. As chief photographer, Robley was given Q clearance, which was the highest clearance and gave him access to almost every place on the site. He would take photographs of daily operations, but also accidents involving locomotives or automobiles, stabbings, suicides, and even murders. Robley later said his assignment at Hanford was a time of his life. While working at Hanford, he was building up a large portfolio, but since he was working on a top-secret project, not many people saw the photos. Those photos have since been declassified, but Robley doesn't receive credit. There were two other photographers at Hanford during the war, and no one kept track of who shot what. These days, there are not nearly as many people employed at Hanford as during World War II. About 11,000 men and women work there, decommissioning the site, monitoring the waste, and cleaning the mess that was created in the rush to build nuclear weapons. And although it might not be as exciting as when Robley was going around taking pictures, the work they are doing out there is just as important and just as dangerous as during the war. My name is Faye Harchie, and I'm a student at the University of Washington. I've been working with Washington Physicians for Social Responsibility on the episode of Down by the River. Each episode, we bring you stories of Hanford. Once the top-secret producer of plutonium for the U.S. nuclear arsenal, now the largest environmental cleanup project in the world.
1: Uh, Thanks, Faye. That was a really great introduction. Thanks, Danny. Uh, Yes, this is Danny, the usual host of Down by the River. Uh, Last episode, you may recall, we worked with a group of students from University of Bothell um, doing different stories. And this episode, we've given the reins over to Faye for her to do the whole episode. Faye, what do you have in store for us?
0: I recently had the opportunity to interview Faye Viger from Cold War Patriots, who's also a past Hanford employee.
1: Uh, Cold War Patriots, what is that group? Uh,
0: Cold War Patriots is an advocacy group who works with uh, energy and nuclear plant workers uh, to bring them the resources that they need and help them with their EEIO CPA claims. They also work to urge the Department of Labor to propose changes for the Energy Employees Occupational Illness Program.
1: What's an E? I- Wait, what was that claim? Hold on, what was this?
0: It? <laughs> it's uh, the Employees Occupational Illness Compensation Program Act, uh, which was put in place by President Bill Clinton to to help energy and nuclear workers um, file claims if they were to uh, be injured on the job. Great.
1: Well, let's hear this interview.
0: I recently spoke with Faye Liker, who is an activist at Cold War Patriots. Cold War Patriots works to urge the Department of Labor to propose changes for the Energy Employees Occupational Illness Compensation Program. At Cold War Patriots, Faye works to help Hanford workers receive complete and accurate records of exposures, injuries, and accidents. She also has firsthand experience as a Hanford worker. In 2001, she was hired on as a planner scheduler. She was injured in a chemical exposure in 2002. This is our explanation of how her exposure was handled by the contractors directly after her injury.
2: The chemical exposure was apparent, but the contractor still doesn't like to, all the contractors still don't like to admit that there are chemical and vapor exposures at the site. So um, they decided to try and cover it up and lie to me. And initially I was off work for three and a half weeks with chemical pneumonitis. And during that time, they called me and threatened me and said, you will come back to work
0: or you'll lose your job. After Faye's chemical exposure in 2002, the contractors would call her via telephone and threaten her to come back to work or she would lose her job. A year after her chemical exposure, she was diagnosed with chemical luminitis by the contractor's hand-chosen doctors. And one year after that, the contractor laid her off instead of paying her out any disability. After a long battle, battle with L&I claims, hiring a lawyer, and self-educating herself, her claim was finally settled in 2007, in the amount equivalent to less than a year's work of pay. Here's Faye explaining her self-perseverance that she had to take on herself in order to get her claim settled. On
2: a uh, late-night dial-up connection on AOL, And I taught myself how to read uh, medical journals, particularly about lung uh, diseases and lung conditions, and and fought the contractor um, for my L&I
0: claims. Fortunately for Faye, she knew some in and outs of how the L&I claims works, and she's able to talk about her experience now. But for many of the workers, they signed agreements that they would never talk about their L&I claim again, or the experiences they faced during the L&I process. Here is Faye explaining a little bit about that. Claims process. Thanks for Faye Got downright bizarre.
2: At one point during my L and I claim, um, one of the people from the contractor C H Tom Hill said he'd never met me. He didn't know who I was and that I never worked at the site. And um, that was really interesting because he personally had given me an award.
0: According to Fay, one of the biggest challenges at Hanford cleanup site is that the workers are not aware of the resources available to them.
2: contractors have this aura or an illusion of safety at these sites, and they don't want workers to know that there's this coverage for catastrophic illnesses that's there, and the federal government set it up because the DOE sites inherently do not properly care for the workers' safety and do not properly monitor the workers for toxic and radiation you're actually having to prove preponderance of evidence to someone who is not an expert looking at your file, and they have sole control to say yes or no over things they have nothing, they know nothing about. The other, the other fallacy of the Department of Labor's management of the claims process is that occupational exposures are never done in the pure state unless you're an experimental scientist in the laboratory. So most toxins are in a mixture, and mixtures are not studied on humans. Thank goodness we don't have human studies for all of this stuff yet. The Department of Labor requires that the evidence you provide in support of your claim be on a pure chemical and that there be human studies to back up your assertion that your disease was caused by this chemical. So you can see right there the fallacy of that whole train of thought.
0: I asked Faye where she thought the future of Hanford is headed.
2: The vapors from the tanks are going to continue as long as there is material in the tanks. The materials in the tanks are constantly morphing and creating new chemicals because they're sitting in there. And they're not sitting there doing nothing. You know, if you took a chemistry class, you know that if you chemicals sitting together uh, just with oxygen, air environment, that they're going to change into other things. They're going to become uh, more of a complex compound, or they're going to uh, separate out from the compound and become a single chemical. The reality of what's in the tanks is that they do not monitor for the deadliest things that are off-gassing from the tank. And when they tell you they are monitoring for them, if you check and see the equipment that they're monitoring with, you'll see that that equipment is never intended to monitor monitor for that chemical. That's why they're getting a zero result because you can't get that chemical with the type of equipment they're monitoring. Mhm. Everybody thinks this is like CSI or NCS, <laughs> where oh my gosh, they take a reading and in 24 hours you know exactly. That's just not the case. This is not instantaneous stuff. But when you're not even monitoring for the worst possible stuff that's coming out of the tank, you're never going to be protecting the workers. It's a fallacy to think that the workers are being protected when you don't even know what to protect them from.
0: I asked Faye if she could tell past or present Hanford workers one thing, what would it be?
2: Don't believe what they tell you. You're not covered by NIOSH. And um, the training that you're giving you, they're giving you is inadequate. So I would tell the workers, don't give up. File your claims and follow up on your claims. And if you get stuck, contact an advocate or an advocate agency. Um, like Cold War Patriots, and you know we can you know get you moving in the right direction. Because no one should have to suffer with these diseases, and no one's family should have to deal with this um, for. Little sick loved one. They should be able to get the help they need without having all of these hurdles placed in front.
0: I asked Faye if she had any final remarks about Hanford and what she is currently working on now with Cold War Patriots.
2: I I would like to point out that um, the advocates across the United States lobbied um, hard for this law to exist. They also um, lobbied very hard for the program to the advocates um, have gotten Congress involved and there were three reports of various aspects of this program done at the the government's expense um, that they did nothing with the results and so in December of 2014 after many years again of telling Congress that their best intentions were not being followed by the Department of Labor um, there was a bill passed advisory board on toxic substances and worker health. Department of Labor um, hemmed and hawed and monkeyed uh, around with the selection process for over a year. And finally, the board was selected in February and March of this year. And um, seated And um, our first meeting was a few weeks ago, at the end of April in Washington, DC. And there are 15 board members. And at our first meeting in Washington, D.C., I think to the Department of Labor's chagrin, we are all in accord of the ludicrously in the manner in which they process toxic exposure claims. And that it's not based in reality. And that it's asking the claimant to come up with information that never existed and does not exist.
0: I want to thank Faye Viger for sharing her story with us. Faye went from being an injured Hanford worker to an advocate for all nuclear workers around the nation, especially those who have worked or are currently working at the Hanford cleanup site. I believe Faye's story represents many of the struggles and exclusion that Hanford workers face in the process of receiving care after an exposure or injury at Hanford.
1: This is Danny, uh, the normal host of Down by the River. uh, And I just want to say Hello, Faye. Hi, Danny. Thank you so much for doing this interview. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. So now, how long have you known about Hanford?
0: I've actually only known about Hanford for about 12 weeks now.
1: Oh my goodness. What were your first impressions?
0: Um, I was very overwhelmed with the topic, and I didn't think that I could really get to know Hanford just because of all the history and uh, logistics that go along with the chemical exposures and plutonium levels and and so on.
1: We met when I presented to one of your classes and I feel that there's a lot of information that was thrown at you. What made you pick out workers as the subject you wanted to focus on?
0: I think that It was the one thing at Hanford that I could actually relate to. Um, I come from a working class family, and I could definitely see myself or my family being in the same situation that some of these workers have been or are right now, and, uh, you know, not know what to do and how overwhelming that could be.
1: And do you think that your experience with learning about Hanford becoming interested in Hanford Hanford was typical for people your age, uh, or... How are um, other people your age reacting to you working on this?
0: Um, everyone seems really surprised because it's, it's not something that I've really shown interest in, in the past. And I don't think that that many younger college students are really show that much interest in it just because, um, I, well, for the most part, I don't think a lot of people know about it just like I did not 12 weeks ago.
1: And if you could say something to people your age and even younger, and well, I guess older too, uh, why do you think they should get involved with Hanford, or do you think they should get involved with Hanford?
0: Um, I definitely think that everyone should be um, involved in Hanford, just because it's something that you know, nuclear waste is something that we're going to pass on to our future generations, and and why not? It's it's a huge problem. It's local to Washington State, and if I could say one thing. I would say just jump in headfirst and and deal with the the surprises as you come and that's the best way to learn about something and get involved. And even if you may not be that passionate about it, you don't know until you know you, you just try it and, and see what you think.
1: So Faye, what were some ways that young people can get involved besides listening to this fantastic podcast?
0: <laughs> well, there's the Hanford Challenge, um, which you can view um, some statistics on that at inheritinghamford.com, and they list just ways in which that you you can get involved, which there aren't many, but I think just educating oneself on the problems going out there, that are going on out there, and also talking with your friends and family about Hanford. You know, how do you feel about it? Um, acknowledging something is really important. Um, and and can make a bigger difference than you might know. I never had heard of Hanford before because nobody ever brought it up in conversations with me and maybe I would have uh, learned and got involved earlier if I had known about it or talked with my family or friends about it. Um, There's also a professor at the University of Washington, Shannon Cram, who has been my mentor through learning about Hanford and she's a great um, advocate. and yeah, comparing, it to, comparing Hanford to other world events and, and history and, and what's going on with it is a great option.
1: Yes, yeah, Shannon, she's the one that made the connection uh, between WPSR and you and suggested you for working on this podcast. Uh, Shannon is a really fantastic uh, professor. I've seen her teach and she is a very big advocate for Hanford. She actually was on the Hanford Advisory Board in the Citizens at Large seat before she took over the University of Washington seat and she introduced us and um it's because of her that you became our intern and started doing this fantastic podcast uh do you have any feelings uh about this process that we went through
0: yeah I I think that having Shannon as kind of my mentor coming into Washington physician social responsibility kind of um added like a personal touch to it, you know, it, it can be intimidating getting involved in um, an organization such as PSR, and uh, she also was um, made the connection for Faye and I uh, at Cold War Patriots to do the interview, and I think that the biggest turning point for me being involved with WPSR and Hanford was that, that human connection that I made um, during the interview with Faye and and just having real conversations about it with uh, Danny, yourself, mm-hmm. and, and Shannon and and understanding it from multiple points of view um, through art, through interviews with past workers and, and also through learning about chemical exposure and, and how deadly it can be.
1: Uh, now that you've learned about Hanford, do you kind of see it more? Uh, I've talked to people who... It seems like they never heard about Hanford, and then they, you know, I talked to them about it, and then I see them like a couple months later, and they see it all in the news. And I was wondering if that's something that you've experienced as well.
0: Yeah, I've mostly heard more about it just through bringing it up through, you know, close friends. Actually, one of my really close friends uh, had the opportunity to work out at Hanford, and he um, he he didn't accept the job. But it's just funny how so many people close to you may have a connection with Hanford that you never knew about before actually being involved in it or, or just talking about it in, in small small conversations over dinner or, you know, beers or anything.
1: <laughs> uh, so, you know, a lot of times uh, when talking with young people such as yourself, uh, they ask, you know, you know, there's this idea of, like, what, so what, and not what, which is the what is the issue and then the so what is why does it matter? And then the now what is like, well, what are you going to do about it? So I feel that we've covered the what and the so what with you, but now it gets to the now what.
0: Yeah, so while, while, while going through the process of learning about Hanford, I think it it was very overwhelming because it's kind of like you have so many questions, like who who's going to be held accountable? What are you going to do? And And you kind of want to start out like big, like changing this, forever and you're gonna be the person who makes this huge impact and and that's just not the reality of it I mean it's a very slow process and um, I have learned that uh, you know just writing about things can can make such a difference as well and um, I recently uh, wrote my own op-ed about Hanford and and possible student involvement um, for college-level students who who want to get involved and, and maybe saying, why should I? Why would I get involved with Hanford?
1: Do you have that outfit on you? I do. Oh my goodness. Will you read it for us? Yes. Oh, great.
0: The Hanford Nuclear Site has once again been making headlines in the last couple months. Although Hanford is the largest cleanup project in the world, some students in Washington State don't even know it exists. There is no doubt that the ongoing complications at the site are drawing attention, but why is the Hanford issues not drawing more attention amongst among students? As a student at the University of Washington, climate change and the future of Earth's atmosphere are major topics of interest. We live in a world made up of fossil fuel gases, emissions, and nuclear waste, or should I say we made a world full of these things, and now we have limited abilities to stop them from damaging Earth. I asked a room full of students at the University of Washington Bothell campus how many people have heard about Hanford. Roughly half of the class raised their hand. After a short presentation, questions were swarming through the audience. Hanford cleanup site is estimated to last until 2060. Most people think of the Hanford cleanup site as a project where only scientists or chemists hold a place of importance. Hanford Challenge, a local public interest group and members of the Hanford Advisory Board, say anyone can weigh in on the cleanup of Hanford by contacting elected officials, sharing your input, and reacting to news stories by writing letters. The Hanford Nuclear Site is the most contaminated facility in North America, storing two-thirds of the nation's high-level nuclear waste. One major concern is that the workers of Hanford pose critical endangerment. As quickly as we would like the tank farms to be emptied, the workers at Hanford should not compromise their health. Currently, the tanks holding plutonium and other chemicals are over 40 years old and leaking. I spoke with Faye Vliger, a past Hanford worker who was exposed to chemical vapors in the early 2000s. She says, the contractors at the Hanford cleanup site have a false sense of safety in what it means. When asked what the main concerns Hanford workers face... Nuclear waste is something we have created, inherited, and something we will pass on to our future generations. No one can say they they do not hold a place in the progress of nuclear cleanup. We can all play a part. It doesn't matter if you're majoring or majored in chemistry, liberal arts, history, or wherever your passion lies, there is a place for you in nuclear cleanup awareness.
1: episode of down by the river stories of hanford if you want to listen to previous episodes of this podcast go to wpsr.org and click on the nuclear legacies tab from there you can stream and download all the episodes on soundcloud itunes or youtube if you're planning on traveling in washington state this summer may i recommend making a stop at the reach museum in the tri cities from the end of june to the middle of october the reach will be hosting particles on the wall That is the Traveling Art and Science exhibit exploring Hanford and the Atomic Age. You'll be able to see artwork and poetry inspired by Hanford, as well as read historical and scientific facts. No matter how much or how little you know about Hanford, walking through this exhibit will make you think and it will make you feel. For more information about the exhibit, you can go to particlesonthewall.org. I want to thank Faye Harchie for her work on this episode. It has been a rewarding experience to work with such an enthusiastic student. I also want to thank Shannon Cram at the University of Washington Bothell for not only making the connection between Faye and myself, but for bringing Hanford into her classroom. Also thanks to Faye Weiger from Cold War Patriots. To learn more about that organization and not only what they do for Hanford workers, but from workers from many sites in the U.S. nuclear complex, you can visit coldwarpatriots.org. That's all for this month. Thank you for listening.